please stay standing for the gospel. A reading from Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothes of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Here ends the reading. Please be seated. Well, good morning. The first time I ever came to Thousand Oaks, uh, we had flown in from Philadelphia, and it was late in the evening, and we were looking for a place that was on Moore Park Road. So we're driving from L.A. on the 101, and it's dark. We're, you know, on Eastern Time, and we see this large sign that says, Moore Park, and at Junction. And so we take it, and then we see a huge sign, you know, like typical on the freeway, with listing all the different exits in the next five miles or so, and we realize not one of them is Moore Park Road. We are on the 23, headed towards the city of Moore Park, but we're not on Moore Park Road. Fortunately, we were able to take the off-ramp. At Jan's, we swung around and got back on the freeway, and then we're able to head north on the 101 again, and golly, the next exit was Moore Park Road, so we actually found it. John is talking a little bit about how people go astray here and how sometimes when they're headed in the wrong direction, they need God to help them find that off-ramp to turn around and head in the right direction. So the center of this passage, and there are lots of things in this passage we could talk about, but they told me I only had eight minutes. So the center of this passage is the quote from Isaiah 3. Uh, 40, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Wilderness. 
sometimes it seems like, you know, Southern California is a wilderness. We have a problem with water right now. We don't have a lot. And so uh, we began to see signs of the lack of water with brown um, lawns and big signs saying twice as nice, meaning you only run, you know, you only water twice a week. But the thing about the wilderness or the desert is how you could also translate it, is that there's not a lot of distractions. Um, it's stripped of, of a number of elements. You don't have all of the stuff and the activities that goes on in the city. In a way, you're out, you're out of the way of temptation because there's not a lot to do in the desert. Um, and sometimes when you're be able to do without some of the things we normally have, you're able to focus more on what God's relationship is to you and yours to him. So John is out in the wilderness, and he is crying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the paths. Now, in ancient Palestine, the only roads that were actually paved were the Roman roads that they moved their soldiers around on, or the king's road. Solomon actually built um, a road. But most of the roads were not really roads. They were more tracks. They were more used for, for farming um, kinds of things, whether it's moving um, herds and flocks or whether it's taking a, um, a wagon to market. But that was the kind of roads that were there. And if you were going to travel, at best it was going to be an adventure. And at worst, it was going to be hazardous. If you think, if you know the story of the Good Samaritan, He's busy taking care of a traveler who ran into problems. And so what John here is trying to say is that the Israelites are running into problems, that they are not making a straight path. And so he proclaims that the kingdom of heaven is near. He's trying to warn the people that you've only got so much time. You need to get your life straightened out. John shocked the people. It had been 400 years since the Israelites had had a prophet. And suddenly there's John in the wilderness, and he seems like a real prophet. So they all go out from Jerusalem and all Judea. They all go down to talk, hear what John's saying. And they come thinking, okay, what I need to do is say I can do better. I've done some wrong things. I've thought some wrong ideas. I'm headed in the wrong direction, but I can do better would be kind of like my pulling off on the freeway and just staying there and trying to figure out, okay, how can I do better? I'm on this freeway. If you turn around on the freeway, you're, actually, you, you know, you're headed into a, a real collision. So how can I do better? And that's not really what John is calling the Israelites to do or calling us to do. It's not I can do better, but rather a recognition that I can't. I can't do better. I can't change this freeway. I can't change certain things in my life. But we have a faithful God who is willing to change us, who is willing to help us find those ways off of our wrong directions and get us headed back in the right directions. So it's the idea of not relying on ourselves, but rather relying on God and being receptive to what God has for us. So he's down there. He's trying to tell the Israelites that 
this is what you need to do, and who shows up. It's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you have read many of the Gospels, you know that they show up all the time. So here they are showing up, and they probably don't show up to get baptized. They probably don't show up to get um, the message that John is preaching. They probably show up because, wait a minute, those are all my people down there. How come they're not coming to my temple in Jerusalem rather than going down to the Jordan? So John is not exactly happy with them, not only because they showed up, but also because of who they are. So um, he calls them a brood of vipers. Have you ever seen what viper? You know, I've, I've never seen one, but I've seen some of them, you know, at, at the, um, you know, museums and, and that kind of thing. And they are not exactly a pleasant kind of an animal. They're not somebody who you would aspire to be. You know, you might want to be a lion, but you certainly don't want to be a viper. And so what John is basically saying is, you guys are hypocrites. You show up here. You hear about repentance, but it's not something you do. So let me tell you a story about hypocrites. Henry had adopted a snake named Slinky. Now, Slinky had lots and lots of good traits, but he had this one disgusting trait that he would only eat live mice. So most of the time, Henry was able to get the live mice for Slinky. But once his sister Sarah was pressed into going to the pet store to buy Slinky his dinner. Now, the worst part for Sarah was not trying to choose the juiciest-looking creatures or trying to turn down the clerk's well-intentioned idea of selling vitamins to keep the mice nice and healthy. No, the hardest part for her was carrying the live mice out in a box that bore the words, thank you for giving me a home, Obviously, that was not what she was going to do. That was not what she was intending. And that's not what the Sadducees and the Pharisees were intending. They were not intending to practice repentance. They, were really, they probably weren't even intending to have baptism. We talked this morning about water and the different types of water that you might enjoy in the church, water has always been a very important part. John here is down at the Jordan using water to baptize people. Water has been a symbol of the washing away of the old and the getting ready for the new. And that's what John is doing, and that's what he's calling us to do. But he also wants to let the Sadducees and the Pharisees know that, you know, your family tree doesn't make any difference. He talks about being a descendant of Abraham and how that's not an automatic, you know, past that you don't have to worry about things. It's been said that if you, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Being in church, being in the temple back then was not enough. It took an inner heart change to actually do that. Um, so he talks then about a couple of metaphors as, you know, what does this repentance look like? And the first one is he talks about a tree. And he says that the axe is lying at the root of the trees. 
And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I don't know about you, but I really don't want to be cut down and thrown into the fire. You know, I, I kind of like living and, and uh, you know, going on. But there was one time when we had a backyard, and there was this great strip on the side of the lawn that seemed just perfect for some fruit trees. So I went to the, you know, local orchard, at orchard, you know, um, store, and I got an apricot and a plum and an apple tree. And so I planted them along and waited a year or so. And, and okay, there were a couple of apples. Um, it usually takes two years to get apricots. So I waited the second year and I got apricots and I got apples and I never got any plums. The plum tree was not bearing fruit. So I went and I talked to the folks who know a lot more about trees than I do, and they said, oh, plum trees have to be cross-pollinated. And there was no other plum tree around. And in a way, that's kind of what happens when we don't produce fruit. We're not in a community where we can share honestly what is really going on in our lives. We're, we need that cross-pollination from other people, other believers, in order to be able to bear the fruit that John is talking about here. So let me leave you with a question and a challenge. The question, how would God have you change things in your life? What would he have you do differently? What is your need for repentance? What part of your life have you kept off limits from God? And then the challenge, let go and let God direct your life. Let God change you as he will. Let him steer you in the right direction. And then you will discover how the architect of life can take broken pieces of your life and make them beautiful. Bring God your repentance and let him change your life. Amen. Let us pray. O oh God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending, by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. <laughs>